Chapter Nineteen of the Flint Heart by Eden Philpot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nineteen, Mister Meles. Needless to say that Unity and Bismarck were deeply delighted at the triumph of Marsh Galloper. Unity did not quite understand about the magnificence of the fifth class of the Titanian order, but she was very pleased at the thought of visiting Fairyland again. While as for the bottle, he also much desired to go, for a practical reason, because he thought that if he could be thoroughly mended all over, it would be much more useful to him in his future career than any kind of compliment from the king. So they waited for the invitation to come, and I'm sorry to say that it did not. There was a reason for this, and strangely enough, the person who told Charles the reason was Ship. They could understand each other now since they had been in Fairyland together. You will remember that Charles had determined to inquire of Ship why all the beasts were so much worried, and why they were collecting and having open-air meetings and so forth. Well, he did inquire, and Ship was able to explain. There's a dickens of a row on, said Ship, in his rough-and-ready dog language, and it's all that cross-patch badger's fault. The badger has been putting on a terrible deal of side lately, and ordering people about, and insulting everybody, and making the woodpecker fly on errands for him, and eating the partridge's eggs, and commanding the fox to go and live farther off, and standing on the bank of the river to make faces at the salmon, and frightening the young rabbits, and bullying the rooks, and growling at the water-voles, and goodness knows what else besides. He's bitten the heron's tail, and scratched the wildcat all over, and made the squirrel's life a burden to it, while as for the mice and lizards and newts and such small things, they don't dare to breathe the same air with the badger now. If he meets them, he orders them off, and sets his children at them. He flies at everything as if he was mad. He says he will be obeyed, and he declares that the whole moor belongs to him, and he's making the creatures all believe it. It sounds to me terribly as if he had found the flint-heart," said Charles. That's exactly what he has done, answered Ship. You flung it into the wood, and he was in there poking about after pig-nuts, and came upon it and took it home to amuse the children. But he very soon found out how strong and fierce and powerful it made him, and so he kept it and he's getting stronger and fiercer every day, and he'll very soon be master of the moor if something isn't done." "'Is that what all the beasts are meeting for?' asked Charles. "'Yes,' answered Ship. "'They have had fifty-seven meetings and appointed a committee, and the committee, which consisted of the fox, the pheasant, the owl, the grass-snake, and the cockchafer, has decided on a deputation. "'I wonder what that is?' asked Unity. "'It is a solemn thing,' explained Bismarck. 
It consists of a number of people who come to some great person to tell him that a number of other people want something very much. And he listens most attentively to what they say, and promises that he will think about it seriously. He thanks them ever so much for coming, and the deputation then withdraws, and that's generally all. The beasts intend to have a deputation almost at once, concluded Ship. What great man are they going to? asked Charles. Not a great man, answered Ship. They are going to the King of the Fairies, and they have given him notice that they are coming on Thursday fortnight, and the public hall in Fairyland is being got ready for them. That will be such a tremendous business altogether that no doubt the King can't invite Unity and you and me until he's seen them and got it off his mind, declared Charles to Bismarck. So that explained the situation, and I'm afraid this is rather a short and uninteresting chapter. But it had to be written, to show how things were with the creatures of the moor, and tell you that the badger, from being an amiable and really first-rate beast, had ruined himself by picking up the abominable flint heart. And I may as well end this chapter, and stretch it out a bit, by explaining who the badger was, and where he lived, and what were his habits and pleasures and ways in general. He was a member of the plantigrade carnivora, and if you want to know what that means, it is quite simple. He walked flat on the soles of his feet as a bear walks, and he was not a vegetarian. In his palmy days he had been a quiet and thoroughly good beast, who never wanted to lord it over anybody, and enjoyed life in a peaceable and contented manner. He fed on roots, beech-nuts, blackberries, and occasional beetles. Sometimes he fancied a frog for a change, and when he fancied a frog he caught one and ate it. He came of a fine old family, and his ancestors had flourished among the very oldest mammals still living on the earth. But until he found the flint heart, he never boasted about his race, but kept perfectly quiet and modest concerning it. He had, however, a perfect right to be proud, and none of you who read this story, even though your ancestors were being useful or troublesome here before William the Conqueror called, has anything like such a magnificently long descent as the badger. In person he was blackish and grayish, with two streaks of whitey-yellow along each of his cheeks. He had five toes on each foot, and at the ends of them were very powerful claws. He also had six inches of tail, and very peculiar and wonderful jaws. These were so arranged that if he didn't want to let go of a thing when he had got it between his teeth, he needn't. His eyes were small, and set in a black streak of hair between the whitey-yellow ones. He was a modest beast until the flint-heart spoiled him, but one or two things he did not know, and they were things that nobody with a kind heart or delicate feelings could have told him. For instance, he did not know that his hair was used for shaving brushes, and that his hind legs were sometimes cured and turned into hams for breakfast. His family names was Meles, 
and he lived in a fine hole on Hartland Tor. All had gone well with Mr. Meles until he found the flint heart, but now he wore the charm suspended round his neck, and his life and opinions and intentions and ideas in general were terribly changed. I shall give nobody any peace until I am made the king of beasts, he told his wife and children, and I shall go on badgering everybody until they come and crown me and admit that I am the most important of all creatures. Mrs. Meles sniffed. My own impression is that they are going to do it, continued Mr. Meles, for I see them collecting in groups and having large meetings every day. I expect them to arrive with the crown at any moment. Mrs. Meles sighed behind her paw. She was feeling just as Mrs. Futt had felt, and just as Mrs. Billy Jago had felt, and just as Mrs. Marsh Galloper had felt. And that showed that the Flint Heart was almost worse for the wives of the creatures who found it than for the unfortunate things themselves. End of chapter 19